you you gain your souls by patience staying under. That's what I've heard. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Uh, I'd like to be uh, somewhat specific here uh, in these comments that if the high school people like ninth grade up would write down uh, one of the emphasis that's necessary and it's not that you guys uh, have all the problems no matter where I go or what I look at or how much I preach there are several things that we don't get and even yesterday in the opening our sister underlined it uh, again but uh, I want to emphasize two things that's really necessary uh, if you're going to grow. If I'm going to grow, these are necessary for me. And, and because I uh, uh, <laughs> haven't been perfect here, uh, and I had every opportunity to be, and so do you. There are a couple of things, and you can, uh, um, we talk about you being born again, born out of a nature into a new one. And the scripture says, uh, who delivered us out of the power of darkness. When, when the Holy Spirit touches you and you're brought out of the power of darkness, you should be writing over there. Um, and has translated us, translated. Now, when, when Abel stands beside me and I speak, I, I accuse Abel of uh, preaching his word because he doesn't like mine. And, and they like Abel. I don't know if they like me or not because I can't tell. So I, I just, but when I speak, he speaks in a language that is not my language. It's their language. And, you know, Sister Betty, on occasion, will get up and give a paragraph of Spanish, and they go, oh, woo, 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 woo. Here's that uh, girl there speaking Spanish. And, uh, but you have been taken out majestically by God into a different place okay and that's forever you cannot go back which I like you can go back and hang around and be miserable and wretched and do stupid things you can drink smoke chew go out with girls that do and eh, they're no fun after a while but <laughs> But what happens is that you miss going forward if you don't know that it's a, it's a majestic move, miraculous move of God to get you out of that ugly town that you were in. And it happens to be Egypt, this earth, which I won't take the time on that. And that's a, that's a problem. So 
realize that you, you are living, if, if God has called you and you've responded to that call, you're in another dimension, period. But, the, and, and with that comes another, I mean, it's very hard for people to see that. You know, and, and, and we tend to shift. I'm in the flesh, I'm in the spirit, I'm in the flesh, man. And it becomes what the blacks call uh, shucking and jiving. But we don't have to vacillate. And I'll just say this, this is free, I didn't think of it earlier, but it's true. If you're not all in, you're not in. But you, you know, that, that changes as you give yourself. But this is a vital thing around here. You are not, I am not allowed to see anybody after the flesh. Not allowed. See no man after the flesh. But I do. How many people know you couldn't, shouldn't, but you've done it? Don't raise your hands. I know you all do it. Because you need to see that you cannot do what God has asked you to do unless he, <laughs> unless you're believing that you are Christ on the earth, not Jesus, but Christ, who, I mean, I mean, what's better than this? Tell me something better than this. Of his fullness, we've all received grace for grace. Tell, give me something better than that. Up, up me on that one. I mean, he has given me everything. And I have been a, a, a klutz, dragging my feet, stupid human, not realizing that there was a dimension that I could live in. And, and I'm, you know, one of the reasons I'm trying to get in shape, because I'd like to live, you know, a few more months to indicate, God, hey, <laughs> you should have put me on timeout or <laughs> somewhere else. But he's so gracious and so wonderful to you. You have no right to see anybody after the flesh. And when you do, largely, you're looking at yourself. Okay? And you can't do it. So please, don't get so angry with yourself, because you'll go out today and look around and somebody will have their hair parted funny or an outfit on, or they'll say something. And uh, you'll go, <laughs> But in Christ, you can do it. You can. You, you, can, you can stand with your nasty immaturity because you have been born again to growth. The old man, should have, he's dead. Yeah, and, and people want to keep talking about him. He's dead. It's largely just the immaturity of the, of the new man. Because Jesus had to learn under God. Jesus didn't, was, he wasn't the little glow worm moving around, always doing that which was right. His mother had to say, no, uh, you know, wipe your face, you know, you're, come here. Uh, 
Dust your feet before you come in. He had to learn. And you are Christ and you have to learn so, so much. And I, I just have to say I've been a slow learner. Sorry about that. And you look around and uh, if, you if you begin to divide people with your nastiness, you're offending the commandment and you're a liar. If you don't get a hold of it, you know, God understands you can't. He understands without him you're useless. Remember, he made you. And his patience is, is, is long-suffering. And I'll just read it to you again in case you didn't get it. Because I can say it and say it and say it. But people have problems. And... And they don't always show what they should. Oh, goodness. I'm almost at 10 minutes here. Anyway. Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now, henceforth, we know him no more. And this is for you and me. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. And sometimes we need to meditate on the, on the basic things. We've heard them and heard them and heard them. And, and they don't mean anything anymore. Yeah, all things become new. Yeah, yeah, I'm new. <laughs> yeah, not so fast. You're not, you, don't, you don't look like you're that new because you, you still like to live the way you want to. And God help us today as we go before the Lord. Make this uh, maybe a, a stronger launch. You may not be perfect in it, but you say, help me see. Or give me uh, your your spirit in this that I can see no man and certainly when you're parting your hair you won't be looking at yourself except you know you're new that's true for every last one of you you've been translated changed you know and uh, I'm always suspicious with with uh, uh, Abel because he they, I can see they, they res when I'm speaking, they look like, but when he's speaking, they really like it. And uh, so I just have to say when it's over, well, I can tell you're preaching what you wanted to preach. Did you get anything I said? And he just laughs and walks off. And like I don't have feelings. Anyway, God help us. Let's gather. It, you know, it's no big deal if you fall. Just keep getting up. I didn't. I thought there was. I, this is for the heart of hearing.
it looks sweet, but it's <laughs> it just makes me it just makes me sick. Richard, you just make me sick.
even start and some people are already leaving. It's okay. I, I believe that um, this um, <clears throat> transformation, uh, there's been an emphasis on a few of the devotions, I think, and that is being aware of the life of God working in us. And that's a tricky thing because um, faith is the substance of things hoped for and it's the evidence of things not seen. And I do believe there is a transformation going on in all of our hearts. And I believe uh, the measurement of that transformation isn't necessarily uh, in behavior. But I, I think there is behavior follows that's commensurate with their transformation. But I also think bad behavior sometimes reveals the need for transformation. And so that's why it says a righteous man falls seven times and rises again. I appreciated uh, uh, what Ben said the other night about uh, what you go through and not being a result-oriented. There's no way to paste on the five senses to a spiritual work. And... Um, we, we tend to want to do that. I believe what God is doing is, is purifying uh, our desire to the point where we really do want to manifest who he is and who Christ is. That is becoming preeminent in our hearts. And suffering, the suffering that it takes, the suffering isn't quantity of difficulty that you go through and if you're going through something difficult, um, one of the best things that happens sometimes to you is to realize that someone's going, you hear a story of someone else that's going through something that seems about 10 times harder. Because as a human, we tend to say, I'm, real, I'm suffering. And really, the genuine suffering is the same for every single one of us. And the suffering that, that Jesus did, the sufferings of Christ, he went to the cross, and that was a, uh, I didn't watch that movie, um, uh, called the Passion. Um, anyway, I didn't necessarily want to be more upset than I already was about stuff, about the cross. Hard enough time taking up my cross without seeing some graphic illustration of it. Um, nonetheless, there was a suffering in Jesus' life all the way along where he learned obedience, and the suffering was not, not to take his own way. It didn't have to do with the environment he found himself in. He didn't have to do with how many people were spitting or not spitting, how many people were worshiping him, him, like, you know, with the palm branches one week and then they're crucifying him the next week. It didn't matter the environment. The envir what Jesus lived by, the very suffering of Christ, was just not to take his own way. And so whether good things were happening or bad things were happening, he was still dependent on his father for his life. That's the suffering that every one of us is involved with. Uh, and otherwise, we get into some funny things um, that uh, of quantifying things in a natural way, which is really a mistake. So I believe God is purifying something in all of our hearts 
and that is that our desire would be to be under His influence, the influence of the Spirit, all the time. That would be, it's not how much people go through, it's the way they go through it. And did they go through it dependent and holding upon uh, the Spirit of God to take them through? So, I mean, it says that, um, it's in Jeremiah 17, I don't want to turn there, but it says um, something along the fact that he that trusts in the Lord uh, doesn't see when heat comes. (laughs) You know, I love the, the far side where the guy is pushing the wheelbarrow full of coals with flames coming up, and he's whistling a happy tune, and Satan and one of his demons are talking to each other and saying that we're not getting through to this guy. <laughs> and we should be like that guy. If, in fact, we're trusting God, you can walk through hell pushing a wheelbarrow full of coals and be saying, thank you, Lord, you're with me. What was the, what was the big thing about the furnace in Daniel? Seven times hotter? Well, that was a big thing, particularly for certain servants of the king. That was a very big... Actually, it was the last big thing they experienced. What was the big thing? Is that the Lord was in there with them. That is the big thing. It's not what's going on, it's who's with you? Who am I with? And... And I believe that's the transformation that's going on, that there is a primary desire that God is bringing forth by His Spirit, that we would desire to be with Him continually under the governance of His Holy Ghost, regardless of events, what is happening or what is not happening. And we always have both going on. And so uh, that transfer, I think that's what the Bible means by transformation, by the renewing of your mind. So that there's a renewal going on. It may not be in the visible realm at this point, but um, <clears throat> it is going on inside where your desire, no matter how many times you fall, you say, Lord, my desire is to please you. Lord, that's what my desire is. Well, I have evidence to the contrary. Can I tell you something? If you want to measure evidence by the, by the seeing of the eye, we should fold up shop right today. Actually, we should have already, but we could do it today before much time goes further because the body of evidence is in Adam's favor. Do do you notice that? Do you know, Ted read a list of of the works of the flesh. Do you know there's 18? And then it says, you know, the 18th is and such like, which kind of leaves a... Right? And then it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. There's only nine. Right? Like, what that, what's that about? And the Bible says things like, reckon the old man dead. Why do you have to do any reckoning if he's dead? Have you considered that? No? Okay. Put on the new man. Uh, put off the old man. If he is dead and gone, why are those scriptures there? Well, I'll tell you why the scriptures are there. I mean, from my vantage point, because sometimes I wake up convinced of the old man. 
and actually I have evidence that comes out of my mouth or thoughts that I think or that I'm fully persuaded of the old man. I don't have to contend earnestly for the old man. Does anybody? I don't. I don't have to plan it out. I don't have to map it out. I don't have to, you know, um, what do people use those things they write in for their daily thing? Yeah, yeah, those are all the wrong answers. <laughs> what? Okay. Let it go. Anyway, you don't have to write yourself any kind of list to, know, to walk in one of those 18 and such like things. They just come up. Why do they come up? So that you can be proven that the desire in your heart that's growing is to lay hold of the faith that God put in our hearts. That's why Jude says, contend earnestly for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. You have to contend earnestly for the saints. I know we can't perform this. I absolutely know that in our flesh, but we do have a responsibility every day when we wake up to say, Lord, I got to contend earnestly for your faith because some other things are, are crowding me. Some other stuff. Maybe 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24. So I think there's a process and there's a great illustration. I think John, John the Baptist, I'll, I'll try not to be very long today. John the Baptist um, uh, had a revelation in John 3.30. You can turn it if you want or, or just listen. It doesn't matter. It's very familiar. And John the Baptist had, you know, he was the one guy that had a revelation of who the Son of God was. Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. He's the one that recognized him. He was the one that was sent before. And, he had, and I think the greatest revelation that he had um, was in uh, John 3, verse 30. And, it, and it's just seven words. It says, he must increase, but I must decrease. And that was a tremendous revelation. And, it, and, and, and I think you should take note of must, right? Uh, he must increase. But, and I appreciate he must increase this first. But I must decrease. You see, the, the putting down of the flesh is secondary to the first thing, right? He must increase. Consequently, this other stuff must decrease, right? There's a coordinate conjunction. That's the, the reason the second thing is there is really because of the first thing. So uh, I believe that's a picture of the process of, of transformation that's going on in all of our hearts. That there's a, He must increase. And, I, and honestly, I, that is patently clear in my heart. <laughs> Every day I get up, God, you must increase. I know you must. Uh, if you don't increase, Lord... Uh, I know what I'm left with. Okay? And, but, in fact, I must decrease. And, and, and the truth is, you and I don't know how that's going to come, right? And that's okay because John didn't know how it was going to come either. Right? You find John later on in the Gospels where he's in prison. And he says, um, he goes and sends messengers. He said, are you really the one or do we look for another? What would happen? Well, 
uh, John was experiencing some decrease. And actually, uh, he really decreased, right? Certainly from this life, he lost his head. And, uh, you know, the, don't get duped into thinking it's, the transformation isn't going on. Um, it is. But it, 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 you might not recognize the way it's going on. And John didn't recognize it. He thought, well, this is something different must occur here. But there he was in prison, being ineffective, perhaps. <laughs> but really what he was doing was fulfilling the revelation that he got in John 3.30. He, was, he must increase, but I must decrease. And so I, I was thinking about the best, one of the best. I want to talk about decrease for a minute, but no longer. Um, just a few minutes. That is um, in Judges. And this is a big, this is a great story of decrease. It's a story of Gideon. And, um, In Judges 6, it says, uh, verse 1, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. <clears throat> and the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. Because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made dens in the mountains and caves. Um, and it says... In verse 4, which is interesting, it's an interesting line that kind of stood out to me a few weeks back when I was looking at this. It says, and they encamped, the Midianites encamped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth. And um, the reason the children of Israel were invaded by the Midianites was um, because there was something not right in their relationship with the Lord. There was something off in their, relate, in their relating to the Lord. And, and so God brought the Midianites for correction. And, and you know, you and I have an, an environment of um, the old man that is, is really for the purpose of bringing us to God. And I don't know if we realize that. We, uh, well, the old man is dead. Yes, he is. But you can live in the old man. And when you live in the old man, the increase is destroyed and, and is, is thwarted. The growth is thwarted when I live in the old man. And, and what the Midianite, the word Midianite, and I don't usually look these things up, but it means strife or conflict or discord. Um, and when there's discord um, uh, among us, which none of us are foreign to, um, strife, or envy, or any of those things. We're not foreign to those things happening here. As a matter of fact, this is quite a dumb idea to live together, um, if I do say so, if, in fact, we're not going to live in the spirit. I mean, it's idiotic. I can't say enough bad things about it, actually. Uh, the reason neighborhoods work okay is because you don't know your neighbors. Here, my goodness gracious. Yeah, I can wave. Uh, here, you, you know what? Everybody talk, tells about their sickness. It tells about their sisters, brothers' sicknesses we need to pray for. It tells about 
what they're going through at an end, and such like, right? And, and it's okay, but I'm just saying, if we're not going to walk in the Spirit, this is not a really good place. So strife comes up, and, um, and, and the alternative, the discord and strife, there's a reason for discord and strife. It's because you're not right with the Lord. It's not because of anything else. I know I look at Gabe, and I decide we, in fact, are incompatible. And if he would change, we could not have strife. And, and I know that seems so simplistic and so silly, and, 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 and we still do it. Right? You still look and you say, this person needs to change so we can walk together. You cannot walk together because of compatibility. There is no natural uh, uh, attribute that, you, that resides in you. And if it is natural, if the affinity with people around here is natural, it will rot after a while. Right. The, the joining is a joining of the spirit. That's where it is. That's how it works. Um, so if there is strife and envy and division and discord that comes up, please don't be duped into thinking you need to change some, uh, one of the vessels yeah. around here. They say, Lord, <laughs> I need an increase. I need an increase. I was reading William Law, which really, I don't, I don't recommend it. It's very desperate. It can make you feel so despicable. But he said there is every inclination to not be kind, every inclination to not be loving, every, inclina every um, inclination to pick and choose be among members of the fellowship, uh, to love these and not love those, and to all that, all that stuff that's the such like of the old man. He says, none of that's Christ. <laughs> okay, okay. I can only read a little. And this one thing, you know, it's like sometimes I hate snakes. Right? So my wife thinks I am ridiculously idiotic because on YouTube I will watch snake videos. <laughs> Well, I see these people, which I think have totally lost their minds, grabbing black mamba or something. And I, I mean, I'm nervous sitting there. And I, once in a while, I look around to make sure where I am. I look at those things, you know, and I... <clears throat> anyway, I'm not sure why I brought up about snakes, but something I'm afraid of. Um, so the Midianites, the strife, what you're left with if your relationship breaks down is the work of the flesh and so strife and discord and all those things. And God allows that so you and I would have the proper loathing for not abiding in him, right? The proper loathing. Jesus, there's two things about Jesus that said he, in Hebrews 1, is that he loved righteousness and he actually hated iniquity. So God is increasing love and he's also increasing hatred in your heart. And so God has it, has it fixed there. Okay, so the Midianites stopped the growth and actually what happened was a breakdown in the relationship and... and, and um, yes, it is. 
It's good that you can smile. Came directly from the throne of grace. Um, so then we go on, and, and uh, of course what happens is when they find themselves quarreling and in conflict and in discord and their increase being thwarted, what do they do? They cry out to the Lord, and God sends a prophet right, to speak to them. He sends his word. Um, I won't read all those. And, and so then an angel appears to Gideon and uh, says, you mighty man of valor, right? And, um, it, you know, the angel wasn't complimenting Gideon on his attributes, right? He was saying, in effect, with what uh, Bill said this morning, no, no man after the flesh, <laughs> right? Thou mighty man of valor. What was he calling forth? Christ. He was calling forth Christ in Gideon. He wasn't calling forth Gideon. Gideon was the least, his father's house was poor and he was the least in the house. I mean, have you noticed that God seems to relish those kinds of choices? Yeah. So he was the poor and the least, but the, what the, 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 the angel was saying was, I'm talking to the new man. How many of you know, isn't that gracious of God that he will address the new man in the middle of the poor and the least that you and I are, the worst? Worst condition that we find ourselves in. The Spirit of God will call forth, thou mighty man of valor. He calls forth Christ. And that would be a good practice. I think that's what Bill was saying about not knowing any man after the flesh. Call forth Christ. So then I want to get to chapter two, 7 because I, there's a funny, some humor here. And you know I prefer to read humor than serious things. Okay, so they pitched against... So he raises up Gideon, you know, and then he has, has uh, 32,000 uh, members of the army. Um, and actually there's 192,000 uh, Midianites. I don't know if you know that. Maybe it's in here somewhere, but... Um, but there was 192,000 Midianites and there was 32,000 Israelites and verse 2 this is amusing to me and the Lord said unto Gideon the people that are with thee are too many for me well, what does that mean? There's, there's too many for me right so now this is a different sort of comparative uh, thing because there was 32,000, and there was six times as many enemy. So six times is too many, right? Um, but there's a reason in God's mind. There are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand has saved me. <laughs> and I just don't want us this morning to underestimate self-vauntification. I just made that word up I, because it, I looked, I tried to find the word vauntification somewhere and I couldn't, but it's, I think it's a pretty good one, don't you? <laughs> Do you get credit when you make up a word? Do they put your name somewhere in the bottom of the dictionary page or something? Yeah, if you have an outstanding PhD or something. Oh. So the straight answer is no. Okay. I just, but I got to say that again, please don't underestimate self-vontification because it is so easy to, to move out of, 
a position of dependency into. And we do it in the most idiotic ways. I mean, did anybody notice it was 32,000 against 192,000? Wouldn't that make you desperate? You would think so. But apparently it was not sufficient. It was not a sufficient amount of decrease. Uh, now, therefore, everyone that's fearful and afraid, um, send them home. And so then uh, they were left with, uh, at least you had 22,000 honest people. I don't know if the other 10 were honest. If there was any rational-minded person, wouldn't you say, now, wait a minute. Let me get this straight. Am I afraid that there's six times the enemy? Yes. Yes, I am. Maybe these 10 were not very smart. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, so there's 10. And, um, and the Lord said unto Gideon, the people are yet too many. <laughs> Bring them down to the water. And uh, you know the story. They, you know, those that, that lapped like a dog, I think they saved. And the other ones that looked around. I don't, I don't know. Um, and Brother Bill was sharing with me the other day that he thinks that the worst ones stayed. <laughs> the, the unaware, the weakest, the dumbest, you know, I don't know. So there's 300, and the Lord said, um, anyway, the number of them that lap, putting their hand to their mouth for 300. And I've heard a lot of theological discourse on this, that it's because they were stealthy. Like this. Looking around and aware of the enemy. Oh, yes, we're talking, yeah, Stealth. There's a real important ingredient when you got 300 people against 192,000. Yeah, stealth, that's what God was... I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm getting the best guys. This isn't, the, you know, what's that city that the 300, whatever that Greek thing was, Theopolis or... Thermopolis? Okay. It's not that. It says, okay... By the 300 men that lapped will I save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand and let all the other people go every man into his place. Anyway, so there's 300 now. Now, I don't know if I wrote this down, but <clears throat> there are 640 times the number of enemies. So I guess that's the ratio that we need to look at, right? This is... This particular thing that I am up against is 640 times stronger than I am. Too many. Not enough decrease. And I just have to say, the indomitable ability of the human soul to rely on itself is just of a magnitude that is, you know, immeasurable. And how quickly we can switch from dependence to independence, life in the soul. Um, this is a picture of the kind of decrease that, that um, John the Baptist perhaps had a revelation of. Um, see, um, it, it's God which works in you to will and to do. Salvation is only from one source, right? Now, I just want to say one more thing about this story. Because lest you get duped into thinking that decrease is for the purpose of decrease. 
Because when decrease is going on, it's for the purpose of increase. And that's why it says, and I was so moved by this. I don't even know why. I've read it a hundred times. But I was so moved by this that it said, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. <laughs> what do you mean, and of Gideon? How did he get up on the marquee? But I thought, perhaps you ought to put your name in there when you're being decreased because the whole purpose of God is to raise us up to be with him. And so it's the sword of the Lord. You better believe it. And he's including you. Gideon? 300? What do you mean? When you're being decreased, please understand it is for the purpose of increase. God's bringing you higher. He's bringing you someplace that you never thought you could get to. So, oh, it's already 8.30. So let me just shift over to the increase quickly. And I think one of the best scriptures is in Isaiah 9. Of course, you, you understand that it's God that orchestrates the decrease, but really what really it says in first, uh, we won't turn there, First Corinthians 3 is that one plants, one waters, but it's God that gives the increase. And so I want to look at the scripture in, in uh, Isaiah 9, uh, 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And it says of the increase of his government and peace, there'll be no end. And I know you read the news. And if there has ever been a need of the increase of government, the government of the Lord, look around. You and I should be happy about the government of God. God's given us a bunch of illustrations what it looks like when God's not. He is, he's sovereign and governing, but he's allowing men to have free exercise of their free will. I was reading one particular leader. I won't say I don't want to criticize any country because we all live in glass houses now. But... It's bad enough to say stupid things. But then when they double down and repeat them over and over and over and make them worse, you think, really? I mean, it's the first time in my life where, where I've looked at, I've listened to uh, senators and governmental officials and things. I thought, gosh, I could be that stupid. I always revered... When growing up, you know, I had a reverence for those people that were elected officials, you know, senators and congressmen and, and presidents and, and leaders of, of countries. And now it makes me very nervous that I think, well, I, I guess I could do that job, too, just as poorly as they could. Right. Um, 
If there's ever been a need, uh, it's the increase of the government of God. And that's really what's going on here, isn't it? The increase of the government of God here. Here. The alternative is the, is the increase of the work of the flesh. The increase of, of our five senses making analysis about ourselves and each other. The, the, uh, the increase of, and that's what you see in the world. There's an increase going on, yes, of the flesh. And to what extent does the flesh go? I don't know. There's no ending to the 18 and such like. There's not really a period at the end there. It's, a, it's an ongoing adding upon adding upon adding. Look around. Read the news. Don't get fearful about the news. Your dependence is not upon this earth coming forth again. The, this, this United States rising again. I, this, that's not our hope. And I'm not, I'm not again, I, I'm thankful for the freedoms we've had in this country and for the, for the military and all that. But that's on a low level because you and I are not trying to fix something that's going to ruin again and again and again. The, the point is there needs to be an increase of a whole new government. And it's starting right here in the church. That's the increase that we are looking for. The increase of the influence of spirit here. <clears throat> That's the greatest need in the earth. And then it says, <clears throat> and of peace. And you should look up the word peace, and I think Bill has mentioned it over the years, but it was something that Archer Torrey said, do a, do a study on the word peace, shalom. And if you do a study, it's a, it's a very comprehensive word, peace. It's not like feeling great when you wake up. Yeah, I mean, I, I like to feel good when I wake up. I, I do. I, it's, well, it's better than feeling bad. I didn't see a lot of you writing. Oh, that's, that's fine. Throwing you these filet mignons and you're not writing them down. Um, it means safe. It means well. It means happy. It means friendly. It means friendly. What do you think of that? We could use some friendliness around here. Welfare. Prosperity. Um, favor, completion, finish, being finished, being perfect, being full, restoration, restitution. It's huge. But I want to look at the one verse, and we're not going to turn there, but it's Ephesians chapter 2. It's talking about the work that, that Jesus Christ did on this earth. It says... Um, uh, you know, about <clears throat> he broke down the middle of wall of partition between us, abolished in, the, in, the, in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make it himself of two, one new man, so making peace. Um, <clears throat> that he might reconcile both unto God and one body by the cross, having slain the enmity, and came and preached peace to you which were far off and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. That peace is to be, uh, it, it is quietness and it is rest, but it's to be set at one again. And that is, there's an increase of being set at one with your heavenly Father. There's an increase of that. It's not just a, a couple experiences that we've had that we can talk about. It's a, it's a growth of a magnitude where you are one with your heavenly Father. And that's exactly what Jesus prayed in John 17, isn't it? That they may be one, 
even as we are one. He wasn't talking about the disciples being one, though that is an occurrence. He was talking about being uh, the members in particular being one with their heavenly father. He was talking about that oneness. And consequently, when that oneness is working, and there's an increase of that kind of peace, then it works here. It works. It works here. The increase of joining with the Spirit of God. So I want to read one of my favorite scriptures in Colossians 2. Um, 18 and 19. And the King James says, Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which is not seen vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together increaseth with the increase of God. The, um, another translation says, Let no one beguile you of your prize, delighting in humble-mindedness and in worship of the messengers, intruding into those things which is not seen, being vainly puffed up by the mind of the flesh. Can I just say something about worship of the messengers? Now, there, is, there was a movement in uh, the charismatic realms where they had a big emphasis on angels. And, and in particular, they had particular angels, and they gave them names, and they would come and they would give them money, which, great. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it was. It's silly. But, well, I don't know. I don't know. Well, a lot of them had planes and stuff. Um, but the worship of the messengers, you know, can you... Um, <clears throat> this is where seeing no man after the flesh is so important. The messenger is not the thing. Right. And every messenger that you've ever come in contact with, being human, are not the consummate answer for your life. They are not the consummate package. I, I, I remember guys talking about, uh, I will pick on Buddy Cobb because he's passed away. And they would complain about what Buddy was preaching. And, I, and, 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 and it doesn't mean that there was agreement across the board with some of the things that he said. But, but there was a life that was laid out for years and years out of a suitcase, coming around, always, always ready to, to feed the sheep. Always, I remember my last image of him is trudging through three feet of snow, getting to Huna. And he could, I mean, you, I don't know how old he was. I don't know, it was low 80s or something, but it was awful. And he was so worn out. And he said at the end, like, he was so worn out. And he said, I'm, this is my last time doing this. <laughs> you know, and, uh, but he wasn't the consummate package, and there isn't anyone that is. No one. We're all men. 
Don't think you have a revelation because you see someone's flesh. That's not a revelation. You can do that with your five senses. Then it says in the Amplified. Um, Let no one defraud you by acting as an umpire and declaring you unworthy and disqualifying you for the prize, insisting on self-abasement and worship of angels, taking his stand on visions he claims he has seen, vainly puffed up. This is the part I thought was good. Vainly puffed up by his sensuous notions and inflated by his unspiritual thoughts. God help us, right? The whole point of this scripture is to hold the head. Right? That's where nourishment comes from. That's where increase comes from, is if we hold the head. But you can hold on to sensuous notions. You can walk around for a long time. I had relatives that went 25, 27 years not talking to each other because they held on to a notion. I've been embarrassed at times when I've had an argument and you wait some days and then you forget what it was about, but you're still upset. Anybody been embarrassed by that? Inflated by unspiritual thoughts. Oh. What does it mean to be inflated with unspiritual thoughts? It means that you have taken your natural carnal mind. I have taken my natural carnal mind and I am holding tenaciously onto the thought that's there. But it says you have the mind of Christ. Right? Can I tell you something about the mind of Christ? The mind of Christ isn't that you have all the answers. I'll read it to you. Philippians 2. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Being in the former God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. The, the mind of Christ is a dependent mind upon the Spirit of God to take you where he wants you to go. That's what the mind of Christ is. It's not that you have all the answers. You don't. I don't have all the answers, but I have the mind of Christ. What is the mind of Christ? I know what source I must be living by. I am dependent upon that source. Okay, I just want to give you one last key to your whole life. The whole key to all this increase, okay? This is gonna, you love when guys say things like, this... <laughs> is the epicenter of spiritual experience that I am going to convey to you. And it's just the story of Enoch. I don't know if you noticed, there's some level of idolatry with John Cheever with Enoch. He's, al- he's always talking about him. He's always saying, and I, you know, I don't, uh, I mean, I'm, I like Enoch. Um, <clears throat> but Enoch... You know, he was the seventh from Adam. Um, and there's not a lot we know about him. Uh, he had children. He, he birthed Methuselah. 
who lived, what, 969 years? That's pretty good. Um, although Brother Bill was criticizing me because I was revering somebody that was about to turn 100, and he was saying, what is that to eternity? Wow. Thank you. Um, I don't know, 969, that's, that's quite a number. Not compared to eternity. I know some of you got a little impressed with that 969. That's why I put the zinger in there. Okay. Enoch lived 365 years. And, and the Spirit of God came down upon me, being so into types and shadows, I realize that there are 365 days in every year. Okay, are you with me? This is deep, so try to follow. Okay, um, so I think what it's saying is that Enoch walked with God 365. You find that out in Hebrews 11, that Enoch walked with God and was not, for he was translated. God took him. But he had this testimony that he pleased God. Enoch walked contending for faith every single day. So the key to increase, and it's all you have, and it's all I have. Also, Enoch hated ungodliness. You can read about that in Jude. Do you ever read that scripture? Ungodly this and ungodly that and ungodly. Enoch prophesied. He wasn't just hanging out. He, he was doing some stuff. What you and I have is that every single day you get up and whether you feel the old man or whether you feel the new man and grateful if you do feel the new man. But as soon as perhaps you feel the new man and get into self-vontification, you will no sooner find the old man is right there around the corner. The only place to live is every single day, Lord. I need to contend for the faith that you've delivered. I need to walk with you again today. I made a mess of it yesterday. I made a mess of it last night. I made a mess of it last week. Lord, I, I'm not promising. I'm not making promises to you, Lord. It's just I want this desire to be fully transformed, that there is no higher desire but to walk with you today. So God help us in that. That was the big thing about Enoch. He walked with God every day. Let's remember, uh, you, you brought up snakes, David. Yeah, I did. I was sitting there, you know, ready to take notes and David brought up snakes. How, how many people just naturally hate snakes, you know? Okay. Um, I'm, I'm sitting there, and David's talking about snakes, and I had a friend in, in, in junior high, Franklin Thornton, who always wanted me to go see Grace Wiley. And I didn't, you know, he said, boy, she's internationally known, she's really an important person, and she milked cobras. Okay? And 
And one time we were a few blocks away from where Grace Wiley's little zoo was and, and Franklin was going in there and he, he said, well, we're, we're just gonna milk some, some cobras. And oh my God, I, I what? And you mentioned you were a little fearful. Yeah. Oh, me too. And Grace Wiley said that people aren't naturally fearful. They learn to be fearful. And I think she didn't know. Yeah, I came out fearful. I came out fearful. And nobody said, well, they're going to be okay. Anyway, I walked, uh, so help me. I'm just talking about our fear. I walked around like several blocks because I did not want to go by because Franklin was one of the best salesmen I've ever known. And he'd say, Billy, come on, let's go. I mean, come on, you want to see this. I mean, they, these are really unusual creatures. And I said, no, I've seen them. I don't want to go. And, and I think, uh, you know, the kind of the, the issue for us is uh, quit playing with snakes. Quit playing in the natural man. Because this lady, I, just, I was sitting there and I had, I'd, had I'd, I'd never studied about Grace Wiley. I was sitting there with David telling me and I said, well, okay, I remember Grace Wiley. The name came back. I hit it and I went in and there's a whole thing. She's one of the foremost authorities on cobras. Guess how she died? <laughs> Playing with snakes. Now, understand me. There, there's too much going on here in areas where you think because God is long-suffering and he contends with us uh, when we do those kinds of things, whatever it is, you know, and, and, and this is very, what David said here regarding individuals. If you looked at the history of Sam 5, I would, somebody said, well, you know any apostles? Yeah, I said Sam 5 was truly foundational. But if you look at his life before he got a hold of what he got a hold of and God began to move with him, their people as a matter of fact, in the, in the United States, some of the things that they said about him in major things had to do with, with his trying to figure out God and what God wants. You are really playing with your future when you think, or I think, I can figure out what's there. And I just, it was so funny because I was just coming along trying to have a nice, easy day. And I, I looked up Grace, what, there's pictures of her. She, she claimed that she tamed over 300 snakes. My God. Tamed them. Uh, you're gonna, I'll have you read it, honey. The, the point is, people, your natural man will take you down. He already has. He's, he's, he's stifled your going forward in God. Uh, the power, 
that, that, that you have. Uh, and so the flesh man, you know, see no man. And for the love of God, don't see yourself. Been a very good morning, you know, here. Uh, because all of us, you know, when we really are open and, and with ourselves and are not hiding, I really believe that the years that we were under, uh, the jeopardy, that you can do this, measure up, stay under, I think that envelops you in a protective covering that is not God. Because the openness that we have to have with one another and with God, because you and I are nothing. We are nothing outside of what God has made us and what he's trying to make us. God help us to see that. Uh, hard to believe. I mean, I, I have thousands of memories. This lady died in Long Beach, California. Grace Wiley. And I, and I said, I wonder, I'm sitting there, and I don't like others who do this, but I did it anyway. I wonder if that name was ever who Franklin said. So I got online, and there's a whole history of what she accomplished with snakes. Dear God, help us. We didn't come out here to play with a natural man. We came out here to find God, and we found, he found us, did he not, before we got here. So God help us to take that with us through the day and realize, uh, you know, people I love, they play with, uh, I want to do miracles. Uh, they play with, uh, I, I want to uh, really, uh, I'm going to be a missionary and change a country. All of these things are, are an elongated waste of time unless God has done it. And so help us to understand that. Uh, there's some things that you're playing with and will, even over the weekend, that you need to say to God, here I am again, help me. I don't want to go there. I, I want your help. I cannot do this. Uh, I think the most important thing you can say is, help, I can't. You will. Uh, I, and I think that that's what we want to know. Father, thank you for the day. Give us a heart of prayer that we cover those who are on the edge of dying or hurting or going through things. Uh, we ask you to, to give us uh, a heart that will, will understand that you, you take the, the Gideons and you call them into greatness and while they're unbearably fearful. And you do that because you're God and you can. We can't, but you've called us and we will for Jesus' sake. Amen.